Since you enjoy this show, I thought I'd throw out there another podcast you might like. It's a show about the intersection of design, technology, and the creative process. It's the Design Better podcast. And in each episode, hosts Eli Woolery and Aaron Walter bring you conversations with inspiring creative thinkers like John Cleese and David Sedaris, people who bring design and technology together like Tony Fadal, co-inventor of the iPhone and the iPod. So far, some standout episodes for me have been when they talk to John Cleese of Monty Python about creativity. That is one of my favorite topics and one of my favorite people. Then also one of my favorite musicians, Tycho, about his creative process. And they talk with Seth Godin about how creativity is an act of generosity. I've always been fascinated by design, the creativity behind it, the implementation of it, both to improve our lives from a functionality and user interface standpoint, also from an artful bringing beauty into the world approach. So whether you're a design curious person like me or a design pro, Design Better is a great listen that inspires and informs. Subscribe to the Design Better podcast at designbetterpodcast.com or in your favorite podcast app like the one you're using right now. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm joined yet again by my friend Todd Bashong, who joined me on the last episode to talk about our idea and the implementation of it called the Productivity Pub Crawl. We had a lot of fun doing that, and he is back to talk and unpack even more of what we learned in that experience as well as how we apply the learnings and even struggles of a day-to-day remote worker. Before we get to that conversation, I want to say thank you to FreshBooks for supporting this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Whether you're a freelancer or a remote worker, FreshBooks is your friend. When you've got three different projects you're trying to wrap up and you're prepping for a meeting later that afternoon and you want to make sure that you're going to get paid for not only the work you've already done, But the work that you're working on now, you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is excited to announce that they have launched an all-new version of their cloud accounting software. They have redesigned it from the ground up and have custom-built it for exactly the way you work. It is the simplest way to be more productive and organized, and more importantly, to get paid and get paid quickly. The new FreshBooks is super easy to use and packed with powerful features, including the ability to create and send professional-looking invoices in less than 30 seconds, set up online payments with just a couple of clicks, and get paid up to four days faster, and the ability to see when your client has seen your invoice, which puts an end to the guessing games of whether they have seen your invoice. You've been there, right? FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to listeners of Beyond the To-Do List. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash to-do and enter Beyond the To-Do List in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's a free 30-day trial. Go to freshbooks.com slash T-O-D-O and enter Beyond the To-Do List in the How Did You Hear About Us section to get that free, unrestricted 30-day trial. And I'm betting in that 30-day trial, you're going to get paid more than you usually do, so it will make it well worth it. Thanks again, FreshBooks, for supporting this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. 
So, Todd, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. We had a ton of awesome feedback about the Productivity Pub Crawl last episode. Mm -hmm. And if you've not heard that episode, you don't have to. This is a part one and part two interchangeable scenario where if you listen to this one and just keep going and then go back to that, you're going to get just as much out of it and vice versa. So don't worry about that. Exactly. We just found after we finished our conversation about the productivity pub crawl that we had so much more to talk about just between ourselves and uh, so much more to unpack about what some of the challenges, what some of the rewards and some of the techniques that we use as remote workers are. So we wanted to just uh, unpack a few of those things for you and talk a little bit more about being productive as a remote worker. And we want to make this disclaimer that, you know, your story or experience as a remote worker or even a cubicle worker may be different from ours. I have been a cubicle worker and a remote worker. Mm -hmm. But again, what we're going to talk about here may be very applicable to many different scenarios. We're just two people. There are multiple ways to approach this. We're just hoping that in approaching multiple approaches you will find new ways to approach your workflow and workday. Yeah, we're just hoping that by sharing our story, you might find some techniques or some commonality in some of the various struggles that maybe you go through or some of the victories that you've encountered in in your workspace. And we just wanted to take a little bit of more time to unpack kind of our individual stories. So that's actually where we're going to start here is we're going to walk through what our stories or what our unique approach is in terms of probably the biggest differentiators between the two of us. And you'll be able to identify more with one or the other. And again, maybe find yourself in the spectrum. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in discussing some of the kind of unique scenarios about being a remote worker, one thing that came up after the mics stopped rolling on the last episode was how different our experience as remote workers are with me being single and you having a family. And again, another disclaimer here, not all singles are the same. Obviously, everybody has completely unique life experiences, completely unique working experiences. But from my, a lot of what I'm going to share is just from my own perspective as being single. One of the things that had come up about remote working specifically as a, a single man is that it's hard to, when you are single, do you feel like you have all of this unlimited freedom because you don't have a family that you're necessarily, you know, accountable to you don't have to come home to the kids. There's really just your work. And then when your work is done, how do I take care of myself? Like, how do I make sure that work isn't completely enveloping kind of every aspect of my life? As a single worker, I don't know about your single listeners out there, but I think oftentimes it can be difficult because expectations can be placed upon us that oh you know hey could you work through the weekend or could you could you get this done because you don't have kids or would it you know be okay if i gave you this project and you know to be fair not all bosses you know are doing that by any means and i think that the the sensitivity to that has been heightened in, in recent years but it is a, a difficulty you know that i had shared with eric that oh man sometimes you know, when uh, you are single, there can be this uh, almost subliminal like pressure that's put upon you and that you can put upon yourself that, wow, why am I not being more productive? Uh, my uh, friends who are married and have families have all this other responsibility 
I don't have that responsibility, so therefore I should be twice as productive. And I think that that is a lie. I think that that leads to unhealthy practices and leads to a lot of, of scenarios where you're going to find yourself as a single person beating yourself up. So I was sharing with Eric that for me, uh, as a remote worker and uh, a single man, that the hours between five to nine are kind of the most difficult for me. And to just to unpack that a little bit, anybody who's a remote worker, you get up, you, you know, kind of have what you need to do for the day and you spend your day working. And in dialoguing with a lot of my married friends, they come home and immediately their schedule is still parceled out. They have their schedule until nine o'clock when the kids go down or 10 o'clock when the kids go down, depending upon your life situation. But for the single worker, they get home to the sound of deafening silence, <laughs> oftentimes, and to the sound of, okay, what am I going to do with my evening? And then the great question kind of comes into play. Is my evening going to be about play or is my evening going to be about work? And if it is about play, how do I avoid feeling guilty that it's not about work? You know, so those hours between five to nine are a, a difficult time because, yes, I can make dinner, but then it's that impending doom of what is it that uh, I'm going to do with my day. So for me, it has been extremely helpful to just be aware of that. You know, first of all, that, oh, this is a time where I'm going to encounter these questions daily and to give some thought realistically about how much time I can set aside to work and giving myself space to relax during that period. Another issue that comes up and is sort of like tied into that is being off work, quote unquote. Like, and again, this is an issue for probably all remote workers is that when am I really off work at all? Like I'm not punched out, but being off work, but still having work, you know, that needs to be done. So, you know, managing that time. It's a really difficult thing, obviously, for single or married people. But um, again, as a, a single worker, oftentimes I have the neuroses or the stress that's in the back of my mind that says, you've got more time, you should be doing more. Like, you have this time. And that uh, I think is a really unhealthy way of approaching your work week because oftentimes you're not taking care of yourself, you know, and it's in taking care of yourself, giving yourself the space to be renewed and refreshed through time with others and through, you know, whether it be reading or just entertainment or a time to to kick back and relax, you have to to be able to to let go of kind of that that little voice in the back of your head that says, "Hey, I don't have responsibilities, therefore I should be so much more productive." Yeah, you have a lack of schedule that's filled with obligatory, you know, responsibility. Responsibility. So in my in my uh, end of things, so I have a family. I have a wife, and I have two kids. And it varies from time to time whether we've got a, a, a kids' activity like a soccer game or you know dinner when mm -hmm. I first get home. Then you know into the evening when you know when it's time to have, start having bedtime and all that kind of stuff. Where wanting to be intentional about being not just approachable but present. Yes. Uh, that that's that again. That's one of those responsibilities. I mean, I've, I've had past episodes, conversations, things like that with with people where it's we want to be good at what we do, 
in all things. That doesn't mean just our day job. It also means like this higher priority thing that is our family. And for me, again, I don't want to call it family just a responsibility, mm-hmm. but it is. I mean, you, it, but it's a chosen responsibility. Absolutely. And that's, the, that's what I want to make clear here. So as a remote worker, though, depending upon how the day went, the work day, and then you're into the evening, and again, because of that weird space that a remote worker finds themselves in where you're not getting paid for the time that you show up and do certain tasks, you're getting paid for the projects being completed. Mm-hmm. If the project's not complete and the kids are still awake and you don't want to stay up forever late, or maybe that's what you have to do. I mean, again, what we're talking about here is this alignment it's almost like a Venn diagram or an, a puzzle piece, puzzle pieces where mm-hmm. one is work life and one is family life and not even to mention like personal life. Yep. You know? Yep. And how those intersect, how those can be hopefully complementary. For example, there's been times where I've had stuff I've just had to do in the evening and, and either my wife's there or not, not to mention even like single parent families. Mm-hmm. Again, one of those scenarios that we can't really express insight to, but we know is out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, but I, I felt guilty, you know, letting the kids do their own thing, which in some scenarios is a good thing, unless it's too much iPad, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, or, so I'll feel guilty going that direction and I'm getting my work done, but, you know, quote unquote, ignoring the kids or I'll feel guilty because I have stuff that I have to work on, but I'm being present and inter- interacting and engaging with the kids. And then I know I'm going to have to go do that later or just say, OK, I'm going to have to get up early, et cetera. So it's that alignment. Yeah, it's the alignment and striking that healthy balance between work coming home with me mm-hmm. You know, and staying in a mental space of work and when to let that go. Oftentimes in in talking to a lot of my married friends, they don't quite understand that singles are oftentimes stunted by a lack of structure. And Mm -hmm. that, um, and again, I'm just speaking for me personally, not necessarily for. For everyone else out there, but oftentimes I'm envious of that 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 kind of crazy frenetic structure that married couples had. I'm like, I wish I had somebody to take to a soccer game. Well, uh, which is both out of you know a degree of uh, you know loneliness, but also out of a degree of oh wow, that would like fill that portion of the day with purpose. Uh, I think it's an envy for purpose, you mm-hmm. know, that goes outside of the the workspace that can can oftentimes inhibit the mind of a single worker period you know or a single person period but you know for me to to say oh wow that would you know give me a time that is more structured that is not work structured so right and and i gotta say from the family side of things on that it's not always the case that there is even a structure like i'll get home and we'll you know what's for dinner and we don't even know, and then we got to figure it out. Yeah. And then other nights, you know, it's like, hey, we've got it. we've had it planned for weeks with meal planning and that kind of thing. We don't know what's going on. It's like, all right, well, so it's easy to it's easy without being intentional about about specific time blocking for things mm-hmm. to just let the time pass. Absolutely. So I I'm really a fan of structuring and having you know game night or weekly this or that night. Absolutely. And for me, that has been a real lifesaver is to be intentional and be very structured about 
specific nights of the week. I know for both you and I, one of the big nights during our week is Wednesdays. Wednesdays, Eric and I get together with a group of friends and yes, in this contentious political season, it might be <laughs> a bit odd to bring up, but we watch The West Wing. We're both big fans of The West Wing and uh, of The West Wing Weekly, uh, by the way. Yeah, shout, shout out to, to The West Wing, West Wing Weekly podcast. Uh, but uh, it's just a it's a show that you know a group of our friends love, and we always get together every Wednesday night. You know, from nine to around ten thirty, we watch an episode. We maybe have some wings, and it's a great time for us to know that hey, come every Wednesday, this is some me time. Like this is some time to really truly disconnect from work, and you know, not uh, have be constantly checking the email or be thinking about it and to really unplug. And I think both for married and single individuals and, and, and remote workers, it's huge to be able to structure your time in a way where you say, hey, I've got these like kind of marquee moments during my week that I it's have a milestone. to look for. It's yeah. a weekly milestone. Yep, a weekly milestone to look forward to and to know, hey, that I, I've got this part of of my week that is not only just time away from work. You know, I think it's unhealthy to think that, oh, I'm just uh, creating avoidance structures for work. It's that I'm filling myself up with friendship and fellowship and important uh, relationships, you know, to me. And I'm maintaining those relationships. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the, I think, other difficult things for me personally as a single workers being intentional about maintaining relationships, you know, because everybody can be so busy and things are so uh, nuts in working and family life to be intentional about saying, no, I'm going to block this amount of time in because I both want to give to others of my time, but I also want to be filled up. Like, you know, it's sort of, sort of creating a symbiosis yes. like in relationships yeah, where you know uh you have both so yeah uh just just intentionality of time throughout your week to uh give yourself a break whether that be a hobby that you share with another friend whether that be you know uh, a shared television show whether it be just working out together or enjoying you know sports together just peeling away that time you know to have that block i think is is a huge uh, bonus for any any worker. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search. Just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people. Or, at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah. And and I, I have to say that I literally have on my digital calendar, West Wing, mm -hmm. 9 p.m. Wednesday nights. 
mm-hmm. so that that time is claimed. Like there's a time block there that uh, if something else is going to try to take that time, it's going to have to fight for it. Exactly. That intentional time blocking, you know, for yourself and intentional time blocking for others. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I think is is a huge thing to be able to to have that on your calendar and just know, hey, this is the priority and I am going to be intentional about making this day uh, work weekly, you know, every Wednesday. It just, yeah, gives you that milestone, gives you something to look forward to. One of the things that I really liked that you shared with me is that, and I didn't know this, but a friend of ours has had work that they've had to do. And what they'll do is they'll take their son with them and uh, go, you know, pick out a snack at a, at a gas station, and then the two of them will go somewhere, and they'll sit, and they will do ho- a homework, literally day. a homework day, yeah. yeah. Which I think, you know, that I think that that's just a fantastic way of saying, okay, I've got a little bit of work that I know that I need to finish up, but I don't want to compromise family time mm-hmm. for this. How can I make this fun? You know, yeah. okay, my kids have got homework. Let's make it, you know, into a fun scenario. And in a strange way, they're almost kind of appropriating some of the lessons of the productivity pub crawl into that with their family of saying, yeah. just because I'm working doesn't mean that I need to be disengaged. Yes. Like, how can I be engaged and still getting some small tasks done? Now, of course, you know, there's going to be extremely focused work that, you know, you're not going to always be able to have your kids around for. But I think that that was just, you know, a great intentional choice on this friend's part to say, no, I, I can do this and I can share this this moment still with my son. Yeah. And, and the thing is with that is I think I've personally I've not done it, but I'm very open to it and I want to. I think my daughter would do really well with this. Mm-hmm. Um with you know coming coming with me and even just reading at the coffee shop or something, but the it's not always quality time. It it can it very much can also be with with relationships of any kind, not mm-hmm. just family. Mm-hmm. Um, again, one of the reasons we wanted to do the productivity pub crawl was because we were, were then not feeling like we were siloed off, sitting alone, working, mm-hmm. which can feel sometimes unbearable. Yep, absolutely. But to be to have a camaraderie. And proximity, you know, over time, mm-hmm. it's familiarity, it's familial even. And so uh, I could see that, you know, again, kids being allowed to be part of their parents' lives, you know, even in the mundane yeah. is an important thing at, that I'm still learning. Yeah, I mean, so. it's, it's great memories that I still have. Like, you know, from my dad when, you know, sometimes I would just go in and sit in the office. I'm sure oftentimes that he was probably going, oh, I should probably be more engaged with him while he's at the office. But uh, those are fond memories for me because you really could feel and, and know that he was trying to spend time with me. So just being, you know, kind of intentional about that. And, uh, you know, again, not to to harp too much on the differences between singled and married, but I think that it is really vital for singles to be intentional about that type of time because oftentimes we can. I talked uh, earlier about struggling with those hours between five to nine. It feels a little bit like horrendously selfish like that Hugh Grant character in About a Boy, like, oh, I've got four units of time that I need to fill up, you know, with, with me time or these four hours of time. No, 
uh, I think that that when it's unhealthy, you can be in that pattern of just okay, I need to fill this up. But by being more intentional about relationships and being more intentional about spending time with friends and friends who have family, it can really help you you know, as a single person, feel a little bit more fulfilled, a little bit part of a familial community, and again, take you away from the stresses of work and that kind of ticking clock in your head that's always there saying, okay, what's next? What's next on the the, the work schedule? And really engage with community and uh, engage with individuals. One of the other things that we came up with as we were talking was just kind of a list of the top barriers, the top things that make us feel like we don't get work done or keep us from getting work done or keep us kind of hung up as a remote worker. And I think as we talked through these, I got a little bit more clarity for sure on being able to have an awareness or an an identifying protocol to be able to say, oh, this is what I'm dealing with right now. Well, then what do I need to do to deal with that and then move on and work through it and work on the work. So let's go through these. Yeah. The first one is fatigue and we've all been there. Like Mm -hmm. ultimately life happens and you feel tired or you feel maybe you're, maybe you're burning out a little bit. My body is what's happening lately. Yes. I'm just getting old. (laughs) (laughs) I hate to say it. Yeah. But that, that fatigue is there. Um, you know, often no matter what, like, and obviously that's true for all workers, you know, across the board in all spectrums that, Oh, I'm just worn out. So what are some ways that you have been dealing with fatigue or some kind of techniques that, that you'd like to pass on? Yeah. So in dealing with that, like I try to become aware of what is causing that. What has happened lately? Have, have I, have I been sick at all? Is it, is it literal like sickness? Is it lack of sleep? Is it on the front or back end of that? Am I staying up too late? Mm-hmm. Am I getting up too early? Mm-hmm. Um, for me lately, I still get up too early and my body won't let me sleep past like six, which is unfortunate, but that just means that I'm getting to bed earlier. But then you take that, it, again, once you analyze it and you take it into the day, the work day, mm-hmm. and you want to get work done even though you're tired, you don't overcompensate and drink tons of coffee because that can have other issues. Yeah. You want to approach it from the idea of, okay, if I'm feeling this way, what work is it that I have to do? And is it tedious or admin type stuff? Or is it high intensity, got to pay attention and be creative and, and it requires a lot of thought. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, sometimes, especially for both of us, it isn't the tedious stuff. So we can't lean on a crutch of turning on a podcast or a or or binge watching something on Netflix where it just keeps going and we sit there with our laptop. So in those instances when you can't do that, which can be helpful, I will try to I will grab a couple multivitamins, I'll drink a bunch of water, I'll go for a walk, I'll try to get as much sun as I can. And again, I try to get those incorporated into the day-to-day so there's there's an even plateau that's higher than usual. So even if I do dip down, it's not as bad. Yeah. What do you think? For me, I think fatigue oftentimes is uh, the symptom of a larger problem. Like For me, oftentimes when I'm fatigued, I'm fatigued as a byproduct of stress. 
You know, mm-hmm. so for me, it's been very intentional about taking the time to go, okay, why are you actually stressed here? What is the root cause of this? And oftentimes, it's really a lack of simple communication or oftentimes on my part, a lack of simple bravery. And what I mean by simple bravery is that I have to be able to ask for space. You know, oftentimes I think it's it's difficult as, uh, you know, especially as a remote worker when you're not face-to-face with your boss all the time to be able to send out that email that says, hey, listen, I'm not going to be able to get this thing done this week. Just the simple honesty or, hey, I'm feeling very fatigued right now. I'm just going to need an extra day to work on this. Those simple steps of just honesty and a little bit of of bravery for yourself can go a long way in that fatigue not building up and building up to a point where you crash out. Mm -hmm. So avoiding those big crash moments and, and just, you know, being honest with what you can accomplish throughout your work week with your employer and with yourself, like yeah. are a huge way of avoiding that fatigue. Having actual sick days needs to be something that, that I need to learn mm-hmm. as a remote worker. Cause I don't really typically take them as a remote worker. I can feel somewhat sick or, I mean, again, I've not really, cause when I used to work in an office, I got sick more often. Yeah. Because you're around people so, more, but I would also probably challenge you to say that you maybe didn't get sick more often, but you knew that there was a structure in place with a set amount of sick days that made you acknowledge, okay, I am sick, I can take this off, versus a remote worker where you don't, uh, there aren't as concrete structures put in place. So I'd be curious to hear from any listeners out there how you deal with that. Like on days where, I mean, clearly on days where you're legitimately just have major sickness of course that you know you're just not going to be functional Mm -hmm. but on those sort of in-between days where it's like "Mm, if i was working a you know typical nine to five i'd probably call off today but i don't so you know what kind of structures can you put in place and again that uh, boils down to healthy and clear communication you know with your management and in your bosses wherever you are but it's not easy you know it's not easy to to be honest about that and you know for me this goes all the way back to kind of the nine uh the five to nine time period being difficult for me uh one of the major kind of causes of fatigue for me is lack of good diet like i think that that good diet is particularly difficult for remote workers. The you know that five to nine period for me is like mm, I should probably make dinner and I should probably eat it right now and around the six o'clock time. But no, I don't actually feel like it. I'm just going to you know hang out, do something else, watch television, maybe take a nap, and then I find myself eating at nine o'clock at night. And then before you know it, it's one o'clock in the morning and, you know, it's like, well, why, why did you do that? And why are you eating uh, irregularly? Mm-hmm. Like that's, a, I think, a difficult thing for remote workers is that because you might be working at different locations or kind of traveling throughout your day, it's like, well, I'm not being intentional about sitting down and eating at the same time every day, constant snacking or right. know, things like that. And, and even in an office scenario – where you, it's okay for you to walk away 
Mm-hmm. Like, you, nope, it's lunch. It's an understood agreement. Whereas if you're remote working, you might have back-to-back meetings or even time zone shifted stuff where somebody's in the West Coast or the East Coast, and it's like, well, that's when the meeting is. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, I'll eat before or after. But then someone pings you about something, et cetera. So like that sporadic nature of you may have a structure of what you're going to work on, but stuff comes up mm-hmm. and people need things from you or you need things from them and yeah. you're waiting on it. Anyway, we'll get into that. It just affects your your rhythm of your day and it really can eat into how you end up eating for mm-hmm. the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I will – one of the things that I've learned is I will always try to keep a uh, Ziploc bag of something. Like I've got right now in my bag that's sitting here, I've got – uh, it's like cranberries and raisins and peanuts and sunflower trail seeds. Mix. It's like a trail yeah. mix, healthy trail mix. And it's like if worst comes to worst, then I'm going to op- I at least have that on me, and I'm not spending money getting a burger. Yeah, which isn't going to really help me anyway. Yeah. So you ever find yourself at like two, three o'clock in the afternoon, and you haven't eaten lunch, and you haven't even thought about it, and suddenly your productivity is starting to fall, and you're grumpy, and you have haven't even thought about the fact that oh. I haven't mm-hmm. eaten today. That's <laughs> yes. You, we are not the only ones, I'm sure, who who have had that happen. Yeah. And and again, it comes down to, I mean, if you have to, I mean, in the past, I've sat and ate at my cubicle in my old jobs, mm-hmm. and this is the same thing. Like if you like, like make the time. Again, we're getting back to be intentional with your use of time. Yep. So, especially when it comes to some of the things that can get you even the best productivity out of the day, which is having something in your stomach and your, your, you know, your brain's not going to function if it's getting distracted by your stomach, let alone has no fuel. Sure. So, and, and of course, everything that we're talking about uh, in terms of diet uh, lends itself to, you know, how regular and how consistent your circadian rhythm and your sleep cycles are. And I know that you've addressed sleep in much greater detail on previous episodes, but you know, I think that, that obviously everything is interconnected and you know if your diet is suffering then oftentimes your sleep is suffering and and it can all kind of snowball to one giant sort of freak out and for remote workers i think it's heightened just because we we are kind of responsible in and of ourselves like with with great freedom comes great responsibility and that we're you know we have to be there to check uh ourselves and be a self-checking, you know, disciplinarian about like what we do throughout the day versus like having some of those systems regulated just through time and space and, yeah. and et cetera. So one of the other big hangups, there's three more and they kind of all flow together with starting, working on, and then finishing the tasks or the projects. So let's walk through these. Starting Ooh. is hard. It's starting so hard. And, and, it, and I think it's because the task or the project can feel so big. And I know I've addressed this with other people in the past, but especially talking about like even just setting and saying, uh, you know, for me setting a timer on my Apple watch and just saying, I am going to sit and push this as far as I can gathering or documenting or ordering or, you know, writing, you know, even just getting rid of these emails. I mean, anyway, starting something, so that you have a better understanding of the scope of the project or what it's going to take or or even if you do getting getting the emotional hang up of oh it's a lot you know out of the way so that you can keep coming back to it and saying 
okay, I've started it. Now I just need to do this thing or do the, do the homework. I know that we've got scenarios with that, with things that we do where do the homework that is in a certain mode for a whole bunch of stuff all at once. And then all those things are started Mm -hmm. and then you can pick them up individually and just knock them out and finish them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I know for me starting is I'll always find an excuse not to start. You know, it's just, oh, I'm, you know, well, you know, maybe I should give myself a little break here or go on a little walk or do something that really is an avoidance system. It's a system in me that says you're stressed about starting this project. So for me, it's been a little bit like you kind of alluded to being intentional about saying what barriers are in the way. Mm-hmm. For you to start this project, what things, being honest with yourself about, okay, what are you nervous about going into this project? And are there some people that you can get in touch with to answer questions or calm your nerves about those things? Is there information that I can look up that's going to help me achieve this task in a more productive way before I jump into it that is is going to help? That isn't always the case. A lot of times it really does boil down to, I just got to start, you know? And if I do start, for me, almost always, when I start a task and just really you know, put my nose to the grindstone and just work on it for a couple hours. A couple of hours in, I feel so much better about the task and think, okay, no, I'm, I'm moving now a little bit. It might yeah. not be exactly what I want it to be, but I'm moving along. I'm moving, uh, you know, the football up the field, if you will, towards yeah. the goalpost, and, and I feel so much better about that. Yeah, we end up starting stuff, or we, we end up not starting stuff, because we have no momentum, mm-hmm. but it takes working on that work in order to gain the momentum. Like you have to start moving in order to then have movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is kind of moving into a second point. I think one of the great frustrations for you and me is starting movement. We've talked about this at nauseum, and uh, you know, I'd be curious to know from others whether they relate to this as well. Um, you start moving on something, and then you have what we're calling hold time. You know, I start to work on something, I'm at a certain point, but I need more information in order to complete that task. I need, you know, a yes or a no, an approval from a uh, a boss, and that boss, you know, or that client might be in a t- different time zone. Like you mentioned, they may just not be available. And then all of a sudden, any momentum that I had in starting has been stalled because I'm waiting to hear back. That waiting and hanging task hold time is a real difficult thing for me as a remote worker. Yeah, and I think for me, what I'm learning to do is take advantage of the fact that my home office is three hours behind me. And so as I sit at the end of my, quote, workday, and I'm getting ready to close down and then set up my neck, you know, pass the baton to future me for tomorrow, send out those feelers, those emails to get that information back because they've still got time that they can check their email for a while mm-hmm. uh, before it's the end of their work day, let alone the fact that people check email all times of day, which I don't think is the greatest idea, but whatever, whole other episode. And uh, but then the downside of that is, is if I don't have that information back to me at you know the next morning, I'm still going to be waiting hours before they are meeting up to where I just was time wise. Mm-hmm. So I'm still going to be waiting. 
Well, I know for me, one thing that has really helped is identifying information that I'm often lacking. So for me, I'm a writer, and a lot of times I'm writing for clients in the Amazon space. I might be writing listings for them, and a lot of times I would need character count regulations or certain information about products, and I would found myself frustrated always during the day that people are not getting back to me. And it was really just simply a matter of putting some things in place to say, I'm not going to start these tasks until I have these this information. And putting some things in place, again, this goes back to kind of being honest with your management or your bosses and saying, hey, I'm consistently lacking this information. I need to identify the information that I'm often lacking and get that information before I start in on these tasks. And just by putting those little systems into place of saying, okay, what oftentimes is holding me up Mm -hmm. during the day? Or who is that coworker that I'm having difficult, always having difficulty getting a hold of and setting a time that say, hey, we are going to meet at this time daily or biweekly or whatever works for you so that you can have those touchstone moments to get the information that you need and to have the clarity about the task that you need is just so vital, I think. You know, so just... You know, I'd encourage everyone out there during your work week, just take a notebook or something and start to sketch down. This is bothering me consistently during the week. This is, you know, information that is always withheld from me. These are tasks that I'm unclear about always. So therefore, the the lack of clarity for me often leads to dread, you know, and then that dread builds up and builds up until it's in a confrontation. So again, just like letting a a little bit of that steam out, like, you know, about those things and and having healthy communication and and clarity helps a lot. I think even just to touch on real quickly, the whole communication software with Slack and Skype and whatever you choose to use and, and and often in multiple, you know, often in an organization, people are using multiple things. Yes. You need to know of those people that you need to get a hold of, what's the common way that's like the passive way to just say, hey, when they get this eventually and they'll, they'll reply and what's the escalated – like what's the escalation channels like? Mm-hmm. Do I text them? That for me is like uh, text me if it's an emergency. Yeah, that's a but, big – big for me personally, you know. that's a big no-no. Again, just for – sort of suggestions out there. Maybe you're a new remote worker or, you know, you're working part-time from home. I would really encourage you to try to create some healthy barriers between you and work. And one of those being your personal phone number and not giving that out to clients if need be, and not having text be the primary way in which your boss gets a hold of you. It should be a system like Slack or an email or something else. Now, there's something recently that I've discovered that is an application that's called Cricket that I really enjoy for my phone. And that what that allows me to do is to cl- call clients from my cell phone, but the business number is what appears. So that they're, you know, I'm not giving away my personal cell phone data to clients who, if they had it, would never leave me alone, yeah. would just always be calling. So like all technology, like all things, technology is great when used appropriately, but also technology... It's, it feels like, to me, needs kind of more and more barriers. And where the, you know, like you said, the chain of escalation is and, and where 
the barriers need to exist. You know, when I know for you, it's primarily Skype. Yes. And it's like, when I'm away from Skype, I am away. Like, you know. Yeah, because um, there's, vari- there's variations on Skype where it's online, away, and then there's offline. And there's even invisible where you can be there and you can see who's online without them seeing you. But like when I'm clocking out virtually for the day, that's what I do is I will literally change Skype over to offline. Mm-hmm. So I won't see messages there. So then if it is an actual emergency, I get a text or or it comes through in the form of an email, which I will check when it's appropriate. Yeah, so. yeah absolutely. Well, to kind of finish things off uh, for this particular episode, uh, we segue into probably the the last difficult task, which is finishing. So, do you see what I did there? I did. Nice, nice uh, segue. Segue there. I'm a pro. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, finishing and completing tasks and closing loops, I think, is a a hugely difficult thing for me, and I know that in, in sharing for you as well. I think for me, I can get a ton of work done and not put the last finishing touches and physical or mental checking the box off that that thing is now stamped it's done and i will then feel like the work didn't happen yeah it can feel physically even and psychologically and emotionally all these things it can feel undone it can feel in the same way that when we talked about starting and gaining and getting and keeping that momentum you could have done all that but if you push that thing so far forward and you still have 15 20 minutes or even another hour or two, and then you've got to walk away and you got to come back and do it the next day. Like it can feel like you didn't accomplish anything because, in some sense, you didn't because you didn't close the loop. You didn't finish. Yeah. So you need to figure out a way. Either if if you literally cannot take the extra time because there's a time commitment of some sort, but I highly encourage you if you if it's going to take fifteen twenty more minutes just take that 15 or 20 more minutes and close it out. You will feel so much better. But if it's going to be another hour or if it's going to be another two hours and you've got to then, you know, and you've got time scheduled for that for the next day, somehow write down like where it is you left off or, and this is where it's good to have like a checklist of all the steps in a project where you can check and feel progress by checking those things off as you go. Mm -hmm. I've started to do that a little bit here. But, uh, yeah, it can be demotivating, demoralizing, mm-hmm. all the other D words, to not feel like you got something done, even though you really did. Yeah, absolutely. And I resonate with that 110%. For me, I think that it's often that, like, little Marvin the Martian on my shoulder that says, you did really good today, you should just stop. <laughs> you know, and, like, or the, the, the frustration of clearing that finish line because you're a little bit mentally exhausted. Yeah. <clears throat> you know it's like 5 o'clock and you're like, I just really want to be done for the day. I just want this to be done. And being able to take that deep breath and go, no, finish this. Finish it off. Check this off the list because it is going to make starting tomorrow easier. Like if this is done, you know, it's going to make everything run a lot smoother if I can just close this loop. So I, I think if there's kind of an emerging theme, at least for me personally, it is about this starting strongly and finishing strongly yes. uh, tasks and not letting things 
build up because they they all build up slowly. Yes. Oh, I'll I'll make this little compromise and then I'll make this little compromise and then before I know it, I'm really far behind or I haven't really kept on top of things the way that I need to. And then you find yourself, you know, in situations with coworkers and supervisors where you're making excuses, you know, etc. And by implementing these barriers of saying no, I'm going to, I'm going to finish off strong with these. I'm going to close these loops. I'm going to be open about my lines of communications, be open about what I need. Then you can prevent a lot of heartache in the future. And I think the theme for me came across as being intentional about these things that you will go into your day with certain intentions and even your weeks for that matter, and blocking that time and having agreements with yourself, your coworkers, your family, your friends about what's going to happen, and even agreements with yourself. Yeah. And then setting up a structure that still allows for freedom, but gives you the benefits of the structure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I I really hope that you guys uh, are getting something out of this. This is, you know, again... rambling thoughts on remote worker struggles and how we've overcome them. It is, and we apologize that it's a little bit of sort of inside baseball between the two of us and our unique experiences. Obviously, your experiences are uh, unique to you. So, you know, any comments or any uh, feedback that anyone would like to share about how their remote working experience is different or maybe about some of the similar struggles that they have, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, and you can do that over at Beyond the To-Do list.com slash one six five Todd thanks for being here thank you again for having me I want to say thanks again to Todd for recording with me and continuing this dialogue about how to be productive anywhere and everywhere in all these different types of scenarios that we have to be part of as remote workers. I really hope that you've enjoyed this episode and the Productivity Pub Crawl episode. You can find the Productivity Pub Crawl at beyondthetodolist.com slash 164. And you can find the show notes for this episode at beyondthetodolist slash 165. If you've enjoyed these episodes, I'd love for you to let me know by going over and leaving an iTunes review. I don't ask for that often, but I feel like... There's been some really great episodes lately, and I've heard a lot of feedback from a lot of people. And I wonder if you wouldn't mind heading over to beyondthetodolist.com slash iTunes and leaving a rating or a review if this show has helped you. I want to say thanks again to FreshBooks for supporting this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Again, you can get paid more and quicker over the course of the next 30 days with their unrestricted free trial to their all-new version built from the ground up of FreshBooks. To get that free 30-day trial, head over to freshbooks.com slash to-do and enter beyond the to-do list in the how did you hear about us section. Well, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode and learned a lot and thought about how to make your life and your work life and your home life and all aspects of life more productive. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next episode.
Beyond the To Do List is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award winning and award nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.